Hello friends, welcome back to Smart Council. Smart Council is back. I'm so sorry, I've been so absent. I looked and it was since September 2020 that I last released an episode and I heard people were beginning to wonder. So here I am and I apologize for, for the long absence. Uh, what's been going on since September and why have I not been here? Well, goodness, there was what, what has happened since September 2020 and March 2021? Well, there was still the COVID and then there was an election and somewhere in the Portland area there was a snowstorm and uh, there's you know family and I had to get some sleep in there somewhere. Um, I'm very excited. I've been very thankful. Uh, my practice is really full and which I suppose is both a good thing and a bad thing. I mean a good thing for me. I have a lot of clients not so good because lots of people are anxious but there's bigger things at play there. And most exciting for me, I've been writing a book. I'm working on it and doing some revisions. Um, I'm not going to tell you just about it now, but I hope to share some things about it soon. Uh, somewhere in there, too, because I just keep picking up more projects. Uh, I am also laying the framework for maybe a new podcast venture, which I won't say about. I won't say much about it just now, but do stay tuned. Uh, I think if you like Smart Counsel, you'll like this new one very much. And mostly, though, over the last six months, I've been taking margin, that thing we talk about when we talk about self-care, having limits and things. So I've been enjoying some margin, or I suppose most technically I've been filling my margins with with other things for now, uh, namely the book that I'm writing, which again, uh, stay tuned for some information about that. But I couldn't stay away forever. I really enjoy the show and I really love the people that I get to meet and interview and I appreciate all of you who say such encouraging things about the show and the things that we get to talk about uh, that's been really encouraging to me and so I definitely did not want to stay away too long. So uh, with that, the last few months I have been recording a whole bunch of new episodes with some really brilliant people that cover some really intriguing topics. And I think that you will enjoy them very much. Quick context uh, for, for this episode. So the last episode I did in September was an interview with Michelle Jones, who's a local pastor here in the Portland area. I wanted to do a short series on uh, the intersections between uh, counselors and pastors and some considerations there because those relationships dynamics do exist and I felt like they were worth some talk. So Michelle and I had a great conversation which you can now go back and listen to uh, and this uh, episode today was meant to be part two of that which was supposed to come out shortly thereafter and then six months happened so sorry again but in this one I interview another one of my pastor friends. Uh, he is a youth pastor, so we could say it is the youth edition of the Counselors and Pastors Conversation, and we'll explain that as we go. Anyway, that's what's going on today, uh, and I don't think I even have any sound issues to apologize for. So with that, uh, do sit back, enjoy the show, uh, tell all your friends about us, and uh, do uh, leave us your uh, support and five-star ratings because those are very nice too. And now, enough prologue, and on to the episode. Thank you. Smart Council is a production of New Pattern Counseling, with additional support from Multnomah University. To learn how to support this podcast, visit patreon.com slash smartcouncil. Reese Basimio is a counselor, teacher, and writer, and the founder of New Pattern Counseling in Gresham, Oregon. His clinical specialties are addictions, gender, sexuality, and spirituality. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Smart Council, Counselors and Pastors, Youth Edition. Smart Council is perspectives and resources from a counselor's perspective on spirituality, mental health, addictions, relationships, and trauma. I am Reese Basimio here on the Zoom space yet again. This is what we do in quarantine. We get on Zoom and we make podcasts. So here I am today with a very good friend and colleague, Jared Bennett, and I'm delighted to have him on the show. And we have an interesting conversation coming up. 
and Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's pretty cool to be here. Yeah, I think it's cool too. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and um, what, what are your credentials? <laughs> what are my credentials? It's like, why should I listen to right. you? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm a youth pastor, been in ministry for over a decade now, and I tend to take more of a um, hands-on um, relationship approach to ministry. It's it's not a, I'm going to sit in the office and delegate everything to everybody, um, but I thankfully have been able to do that because I have smaller groups that I work with. So um, I tend to be more of a, uh, I want to listen to you, I want to hear your story, I want to um, give you advice on how you can take next steps in whatever is happening in your life versus, um, hey, let me fix it in 30 seconds and then move on. So uh, the conversations I have with my students tend to be um, far-reaching and last for you know weeks, months, that type of thing. It's just conversations that uh, we come back to over and over. I love the sound of that, where you get to really be in your students' lives and get to know them and have that sort of impact on them. It sounds like it's much more than just a theoretical, abstract, intellectual exchange of information, but very much you get to be a, a model or mentor for them in some ways. Yeah, I love the academic approach. I love uh, learning. I love uh, being able to sit in a classroom and talk with colleagues, but... Uh, taking that into the real world, there has been multiple times where I'm like, hey, that doesn't line up. That's not so quick and easy cookie cutter as I originally thought. It's Life gets a little bit messy. So um, being able to immediately put things that I've learned in the classroom or through conversations with uh, other ministry peers um, has been really good. And um, I've, I've slowly learned and um, massage that information that I have into, okay, how does this best work in my specific uh, circumstance and setting? Definitely. So speaking of setting, so we'll make, make, a, make a comment for the listeners. So, so typically, so, that, so on, the, on the podcast here, we've been talking with a lot of counseling professionals, counselors, social workers. I don't think I've had any prescribers yet, but maybe someday. And we've talked a lot about addictions counseling and mental health and trauma and everything. Uh, so this is a little bit different. So we're um, this is a very interdisciplinary conversation, and one might wonder, well, why should we care, or why why would someone who is normally talking about counseling, why would other counselors, uh, why, why why would they care what a what a what a pastor, what a youth pastor thinks could potentially be the conversation, and thus so that's that's the premise of this conversation is saying you know you and me saying hey yeah that this conversation is valuable or these kind of conversations are valuable and and talking about why um off the top of your head you know um what are um why do, why do you think this kind of exchange matters i think it matters because the parishioners or or um, students or, or however you want to refer to it the people that pastors work with um they are pretty trusting of the, the people who give them spiritual guidance. And I think that that leads them to often go to a pastor or um, church leader first before seeking uh, professional counseling. So it's kind of a um, initial care that they're looking for oftentimes. And then for some, there is that that mental barrier of do I really want to get real counseling or I've heard that multiple times of well I'm I, I don't need real counseling I just need to talk to you <laughs> like, thank you you know so um uh, yeah it, it is definitely interdisciplinary but it's good because uh, we we both need to know where uh, the other serves and where that you know, I would say fuzzy line is of um, where's that handoff happen of what can a pastor do? What can somebody who is clinically trained do? I think that is an important handoff to think about because that, um, and you're talking about uh, being, you're talking about having your students and you're sometimes their, their first line of, first line of defense or the first, uh, they're the first, the, they're their go-to resource. And sometimes they might, again, you get to professional also. Um, probably from my perspective, being in the professional setting, um, 
I mean, obviously they've gone through whatever journey they've gone through to get to me, but a lot of times their, their communities are a vital part of their life anyway, either school community, church community. And a hope that I have is that someday my, my hope is often that my, uh, my service will be a temporary one. Someone will see me mm-hmm. to do some intensive work or some very specialty work, but that eventually they will need me primarily because they have another existing community. And where there is that uh, existing uh, connection to a church community, that is a great alter- that's a great option for that. So I think that it behooves me to be able to know, hey, what sort of community am I eventually going to be sending this person back to who are going to be their supports? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's... Like we talked about, I mean, you get to see the student in their whole life. I would only get to see them for an hour a week, every other week. And there's a lot more that you would know about them than, than I would. Um, there's probably some specific things I'd know about them that you wouldn't. But uh, mm-hmm. that collaboration, I think, would be very much in the interest of the student. Yeah. And I would say, like, most most pastors would divide what what they do into, you know, two or three main areas there's the preaching and the teaching obviously um, but then there's pastoral care and some would uh, separate pastoral counseling from that but in in my mind it, it kind of belongs there and it's that hospital visitation telephone calls informal really brief conversations um, I try at well before the lockdown happened um, I would go to the schools every single week and just have lunch with with my students and that would include students who I don't see on a, on a ministry basis, you know, within youth group or church. And it was those, those conversations and that community building that was so key. So the, um, the counseling that would happen then is just say, Hey, let me hear about this fight that you had with your parents and be that listening ear versus, uh, let's actually sit down and have a block of time that is dedicated to solving this problem or, you working through it um, so it's that um, expressing concern reassurance uh, that pastors are able to give and it happens all throughout the day happens at various hours I've had students contact me on Instagram and Facebook and um, sometimes face-to-face but it's just wherever they're comfortable and they're like hey I need to talk to somebody right now and you know there's definitely been times where I've had to pump the brakes on that. Be like, it is one o'clock in the morning. I'm not responding to this, you know. That's fair. Vers- <laughs> Good boundaries. Versus other times where I'm like, it's late and this is an emergency and we gotta we gotta jump in on this. So yeah, um, yeah. It's just it totally depends on the situation, but but yeah, I I think that pastors serve a a really important role in in community building and being there for their people. So let's dive into this a little bit. In, in our respective disciplines and the, the context where we work in, you, you're working in a church context, I'm working mm-hmm. in a private practice context. Um, what are some of the unique offerings that, that we both would bring to, to a student's life? Well, I think just to give a little bit more background, like I'm specifically working seventh grade through 12th grade. And so middle school, high school, and um, most of my interactions with those students are related to family, friends. It can also get into a little bit of mental health or, or history of that. So kids will open up and, and share things that they've been through. Uh, as, as a youth pastor, what, uh, what, what tools do you have that are unique to your role? Uh, tools. Social media is huge. Um, it's amazing how unfiltered students can be. And then they get surprised when you bring up something that they've posted and they're like, oh, wait, you saw that. Um, and that is probably one of the primary primary tools is you are always listening, always there, always observing what's happening. So um, being able to refer back to previous life and interactions that you've had and being like, hey, you posted about this fight with your parents. How's that going? Um those type of tools is um, a game changer for ministry uh, versus even 5, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, you just didn't have that ability to be that involved in a student's life, um, at least for those that are using those platforms. Yeah, those platforms, they definitely they definitely take up a lot of space. I mean, in my adult clients especially, uh, or also. That feels like, so that feels like... Um, 
a strength or a tool that, that you might have that, that I might not have as much. Uh, social media definitely comes into the session. You know, people, students will refer to a conversation they had or a meme that was posted or, or this or that interaction. Um, but it's usually, I'm usually hearing about it from them. I'm usually not following them on Facebook. I think um, at, uh, I'd have to check a little bit that that's for sure a, a gray area among counselors. And um, there might be some counselors that do it very carefully where they uh, interact with students over social media, but I, I would, I'm thinking mostly not. And, and if they do, it'd be with a lot of limitations, a lot of qualifications, um, because it's um, it just the nature of the relationship. It's not meant to be... Well, yeah, the, the nature of what the counseling relationship is, oftentimes it's not meant to be a, a full a full life relationship. It's very specialized. Here's a here's a here's a neutral third party person. You come you come away from your environment to extract a, a specific thread of your life to talk about. And there is a lot of overlap in that we talk a lot about the family and the parents and the school and the homework and everything. But I suppose something a little bit more unique on my end is. I am always looking for what are the thoughts and feelings and there's some particular like family systems patterns or addictive patterns that I know to look for or like I'm taught to recognize oh they're doing this they're talking this way that's a that's a sign of potential trauma or potential abuse so I think those are some of the unique offerings I have uh, from my end yeah I think uh, and building off of that is that and correct me if I'm wrong that with that counselor relationship um, it starts when somebody is is seeking care, whereas with pastoral care, that relationship is already in process. So it's not like when somebody comes to me and saying, "Hey, I have this going on with my with my girlfriend. What's going on?" And then I do a deep dive on on various platforms to to stalk them or something. No, that that friendship has already been there for months and sometimes years, and. So it's, it's one of those ways where it's like, okay, I already know you. I already know um, a little bit about your story. Um, and social media is one of those things. And, and you do have to be careful. I mean, I'm an adult. They're not. <laughs> you know? So it's just like there there's boundaries. And my kids know that my family comes first and I'm not going to always respond in the middle of the night. You know, it's like there's been a few times where I have. It's like, well, it's 3 a.m. and my kid was crying. So, yeah, I'm awake. So what's up? Right, right, right. Um, but most of it is there's already that relationship there. So being able to refer back to those interactions that we've already had when, um, you know, there is something dramatic happening in their life um, that is super important. And um, I think it's key in offering good pastoral care is, is being able to meet them where they're at and have a more holistic approach of, hey, I know your family. I know your uh, best friends. I know all those different people that are key elements of your life versus, um, hey, we just started talking and I got to get to know you real quick. It's true. And the, the, the therapeutic relationship can very much have that, that urgent feel. And, you know, we would definitely share the meet you where you're at uh, ideal, but it, but we go about mm -hmm. it in a, this whole different way because it is very, it is a little bit more structured. It's more pointed. Like if I'm building insurance, like I have to like extract enough information out of this you know 13 year old to like formulate a diagnosis which is a problematic practice to begin with <laughs> but well what kind of worms that one um yeah <laughs> <laughs> well one other thing i'm thinking though you know you're talking about you get to see the student in your whole life i feel like you also get to have functional relationship with them uh, when they're thriving and when they're really healthy uh, the, the yeah. tendency would be if, a, if someone shows up in my office it's because they have a problem usually mm -hmm. um which again kind of goes back to you know the medical model symptom-based which also is problematic in some ways another kind of worms you know usually uh, if i see a kid it's because there's some tension or there's some stress and the idea being that when that tension or stress alleviates the the relationship will will go away also um yeah. there have been a couple times when like a parent said like hey i just want my kid to have someone to talk to point of stability point of security and it's often when there's not really um, the option for like a like a pastoral figure, you know. Honestly, I mean, those relationships are are, are kind of weird and kind of stunted because it's it's not completely what the counseling relationship is for. I mean, it it could yeah. be that, but it but it takes a lot of intentionality to 
conjure this relationship and make it a thriving relationship. And a lot of times, honestly, a lot of a lot of youth haven't been taught all of those skills yet. And uh, and sometimes they just they 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 don't see the importance of it as much as their parent, and then <laughs> it ends up feeling like an awkward conversation. But I, but I love the idea of kids having someone to talk to and having an older person to look up to as a, as a reference point and a mentor. Um, but it feels like ideally it would be someone who's organically in their lives and in their communities. That would be a little bit better. Well, and I think one of the, the cool things or the, the parts that I love the most um, that I get to have those interactions that those personal wins, you know, um, those celebration moments where it's like, Hey, you, you passed driver's ed, you know, you, you had a birthday, uh, you passed that test and is those little celebrations that make it easier to handle those deeper dives into, um, things that are going on. There's definitely been times in the decade plus that I've been doing this, that I, I'm slightly ashamed to say this. Like, I don't want to talk to that student right now because every time it's always negative and there's never any positive so it becomes mentally and emotionally draining it's like well you never show up to youth group unless there's a problem you know so it's those type of things where it's like it it makes it really hard and those are the those are some of the times where i am more apt to refer them to somebody else because like hey there's clearly something else going on here like you're not willing to open up and have any other relationship so let's let's figure out what's going on and you might need to talk to somebody who is more skilled than I am and versus you know somebody who's just like you know they're they're an open book and and they're willing to share so you know I I wish I could be that everything for everyone but that's just one that's not professional and and two that's just not smart either right and not possible yeah so that that would make sense where if the, if there's a pattern of this person this student just typically always presents problems then we could say yeah they uh, maybe they need a different kind of intervention. Uh, what are some other scenarios where in in a pastoral role you might be inclined to to reach for a counselor or want to refer a student out? I think if it's been going on for a long time, uh, the those counseling sessions, those those pastoral care sessions, um, I think that individuals can start to feel overly exposed you know kind of like the the social dynamic has changed between the two it's like i have opened up too much you know about my parents you know about abuse you know about other things and then you do that for too long and it, it completely changes the ministry dynamic um, and kids will stop coming showing up to youth group they'll stop opening up because they feel like you know a little bit too raw i think so Pastoral care is great and it's useful in, in caring for other people, but if it goes on too long, I think that it can it can start working itself backwards, if that makes sense. I think that makes sense. And talking about the, the rawness that comes with, with vulnerability, it's a really real thing. And one of the things that we're taught to, to consider in a counseling environment is that sometimes we will talk about the really deep things, the really like emotionally difficult, activating things. But you know, borrowing the, the surgery metaphor, you know, if we open someone up, we stitch them back together before they before yeah. they leave the door. Or that that's always that's always a really important thing. And it does feel like if I'm hearing you right in, in your setting, uh, a student could come in, be part of the milieu, consistently bring in some problems, but not ever get like uh, a focused attention, or or they might not get uh, as much focused attention as they need to. Or given the structure of of, of the youth room setting. A disclosure might happen without planning, without warning, and there's not really a structure for for patching that up again. Whereas, in like a counseling environment, where we do have that structure, the kid gets all of my attention for however long the session is, whatever they talk about, we talk about. But then I have the time to walk them through. All right, let's help you self-soothe. Let's help you re-regulate, so you're not emotionally bleeding when you leave the room. Yeah, and there's also like we're we're focused on on different things. Like my. My primary objective is is the scriptural, spiritual insight and that faith um, journey with Jesus. You know, so I want to help stitch people back together, to use that phrase. But if it's constantly just like I'm looking for somebody to vent to, but they never want to have more of a conversation later as to um, what I'm offering from a spiritual sense, then it, it just becomes like, well, why am I your sounding board and... You need to um, 
you need to fix some other things in your life or, or receive help in fixing those things before we can uh, jump into the spiritual realm. Uh, because that being my primary goal, um, I, I don't have the training to help somebody with you know, self-care and, and soothing you know, as much as, as somebody else who's actually gone to school for it. So I've taken a couple classes and that's, that's not the same. Yeah, not quite the same. I mean, it's, 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 it's valuable for sure. And, um, and I, I'd almost push back on that too and saying some, some of self-care is pretty basic, pretty accessible. It's like just asking, yeah. hey, like, are you sleeping well? Are you eating well? Are you working yes. out your conflicts with your friends, with your parents? Uh, yes. You know, things like that. Are you using drugs and alcohol? Uh, you are mm-hmm. go see Reese. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's there's a lot of my conversations that would be like that too. Like, you know, are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you mm-hmm. using drugs? Are you are you sexually active? Uh, mm-hmm. Things like that. And I feel like where where I might want to make the referral is where. Well, I can see it going both ways. Saying like, well, that th- this one ha- would happen a little bit more with with adults, where I'd say, okay, you you're pretty much only coming in here inventing. Well, actually, I wouldn't refer out at that point necessarily. I'd just say, okay, mostly what you do is you come and invent. Is this really helpful for you? Mm-hmm. Is this really useful? Can we yeah. do more productive things with our time? But where I might want to refer back out to is if someone's coming in and they're they maybe maybe presenting anxiety or depression, but upon digging it, we find out it is mostly like spiritually related. Like they're mm-hmm. working through their theology or they're working through their worldview or they're working through like do I, you know, has God called me to ministry or not? Some of those things, I mean, I could talk about those a little bit because I mean, I have some theological training also, but that's not my specialty. It's not what I think about every day. So those would be maybe better conversations to have with a pastoral figure. Or in the case too, of a kid who a lot in their life is good. Like they have a stable home, stable parents, stable school. They're doing pretty well. They're just like, they've got a lot of questions and thoughts or there's like little, little minor things. I might say, well, I mean, save your money. Like go, go see a pastor for free and go, yeah. go make, go, <laughs> go make a friend that way who can be in your organic yeah. life for, for a long time. And I mean, come see me if you're having a depressive episode. Yeah. And it's, it's that, that uh, spiritual insight that I'm, I'm seeking to offer uh, versus, you know, if some, if a student comes to me and they're like, Hey, I've, I've had a history of cutting and it's because I was raped as a child. You know, it's like, okay, pump the brakes, hold on real quick. Like I can talk to you about, uh, you have value. I can talk to you about how God still loves you no matter what's happened to you. But when we're talking about those previous events in your life, it's like, that's far beyond what I am able to offer. So it's, it's those, those areas where if it comes up in conversation, I'm like, okay, let's, Let's um, kind of massage the situation. Be like, okay, what what is the underlying um, goal here? What are you seeking to get out of it? If it's a spiritual issue of how does this affect my faith? How am I, um, you know, growing and getting past this? Or if it's a I need to talk to somebody because I've never actually really handled this situation, then that I'm definitely refer- referring to somebody who is specialized in it. Uh, versus, you know, those. Th- you know, theological questions and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, like that's something I think about constantly, much to <laughs> the annoyance of certain people in my life. But, you know, that's, it's a completely different approach. And um, the, those deep hurting areas of somebody's life definitely interact and intersect with our faith journey. So like, yeah, it comes up in conversations now and then, but if that is primarily what they're talking about, then I'm going to, start to step back and say, hey, you know what, let me find you somebody who is uh, somebody that I trust, somebody that um, I can vouch for that you should talk to. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes somebody comes in with issues like that, and I'm like, wow, you should go see a counselor. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. No. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. but I mean, that I mean, that is part of part of where my training is a little bit different is because I mean, some of those experiences are normalized for me in that, you know, it be, it's normalized for me that these are the types of conversations you'll be having. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've had opportunity to, to sit through conversations like that and note, okay, here's my, here's my discomfort. Here's my anxiety. Here's how my body responds. And I've had, and I've had a chance yeah. to kind of work through that and develop kind of a, a thick skin or a resilience around that. And, yeah. you know, it's not, 
at all a unique skill that like only a counselor can do. It's just that a lot of other people haven't gone through that process. And so th they could do it, but it takes yeah. time and work and money and all that. So yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so I know one idea we're, we're kind of chasing around a little bit here would be the idea of a collaboration where Mm -hmm. say, uh, say, say there's a student and they're, they're, they're part of a church, part of a youth group in particular, and they're also seeing a counselor or they're wanting to see a counselor. Uh, mm -hmm. Ideally, there could be, with all the appropriate releases of information, there could be mm -hmm. disclosure collaboration around how to yeah. best support the student. Um, in your experience, Jared, um, I mean, what have been some of your experiences with that? Uh, generally speaking, and um, mm -hmm. what have you found to be, you know, barriers to that, as well as like, um, yeah, just what uh, what's your what's your thought there? Well, my interaction mostly with collaboration has been through school counselors, um, those that see students on an almost daily basis, or at least they were before all this COVID stuff started happening. All the COVID um, stuff. Yeah, well, it's just, I'm th those people are they're saints. Like they, they are spending so many hours a day with those students. Um, so being able to go to them and be like, Hey, I heard this at youth group and, um, I think you should be aware, or is there something already established with this specific student that we could talk about, you know, within boundaries. And for the most part, I've had a really good interaction with school counselors over the years. There's been once or twice where, um, it's just I get this vibe that it's like uh, you don't trust pastors, <laughs> like you just don't want to to work with me. And and okay, well I'm still going to reach out, and you know for the betterment of the student, I'm not going to take it personally. Um, but by and large, um, most school counselors I have come across, um, they understand that at least for me personally, it is I I want to see these kids do well and succeed and thrive, and that's something that can't happen with just two hours of interaction a week. Uh, there needs to be more people, more support in every student's life. So um, that collaboration is just kind of a, hey, we, we still have an underlying goal is to, to love these kids. So um, it, it kind of helps itself. Yeah, I really appreciate that, that attitude of wanting to support the kid and being willing to, to reach out and or lean into people's discomfort with the thing. Um, and I, I can definitely own on, on my end, like sometimes I do have a mistrust of pastors, you know, having, mm -hmm. you know, had my own share of, you know, I mean, I grew up in Protestant churches and, you know, not every interaction with the pastor was a good one. And not, mm -hmm. not every, there were times when I would reach out for help and the help that I got wasn't great. And I have a lot of stories of people reaching out to their pastors and the help wasn't great. Um, and, mm -hmm. and to be fair, now that I've been in the professional world, I have also heard a lot of stories about people reaching out to counselors of various sorts and the help was mm -hmm. not great either. So, yeah. So it, it could, it's, Probably not a strictly pastoral thing, maybe a person thing, but but that to say, I, I can mm -hmm. own that, that that distrust is there, and I feel like it would be worth pushing into because a lot of times, if if I if I do reach out and the other person's willing to talk and willing to coordinate, a lot of times we can work through stuff and we can find yeah. we can find a rhythm and it ends up being better for the student. But but it does take that initial move of saying, all right, I'm going to put my mistrust, I'm going to put my pride, I'm going to put my judgments aside, mm -hmm. and. And, and at least try to communicate. And I suppose that would be a good hope moving forward for, for us and for other, other, other pastors, other counselors, is that we might at least be more open to communicating. And I think it's good that youth pastors or pastors, uh, they are upfront with people from the very beginning of just like, hey, this is the realm of area that, um, that I'm able to, to be there for you in. And if it ventures into certain categories, then we're going to have a, a bigger conversation with more people, you know, and, and that's something that I've been upfront with my students about. And they know, like, look, you can come to me with anything, but if it has to do with, you know, self-harm or suicide or being abused, we're, we're going to have to bring in other people. And, and I've said that upfront from the stage and they're there's still been people throughout the years that have come to me and, and they want to talk and they know that that's where I stand. So, um, just being there and, and not 
hiding any secrets or anything. So it's like, hey, I'm not going to talk to another counselor or another adult secretly and, and betray your trust. It's like, look, this this is part of the game. Uh, you know that you know, I love you and I'm going to do what I can for you. Um, one one time I had a student who was like, that they didn't really want to talk, but they did at the same time. Um, so finally I was like, you know, I'd known them for quite a while and and uh, I was like, hey, you know, everything okay? It's like, well, can you keep a secret? And I paused. I'm like, no, no, I can't. You should know. It's <laughs> like, I'll keep your trust, but you know my rule. It's like, if it ventures into certain areas, we're going to have a conversation with somebody else. Like, well, you know, and, and it, it was, it turned out to be something that, you know, I could keep their confidence in and stuff like that. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to give a blind yes i can keep a secret <laughs> it's like it, it this doesn't work like that i applaud so. that, that that that's really wise i think and just yeah and good good practice i mean we call it informed consent on my end and yeah. yes it's just <laughs> way to go uh that's that's really wise you and i have been friends for for a long time and i hope for many many more years and yeah uh i i've i've really gotten excited you know, a few times when you've reached out to me just for like hey here's here's something that's come up what are, what are your thoughts and um i mean that collaboration i mean between us has felt really smooth you know i mm-hmm. mean maybe because we have an existing existing friendship and i would i would hope for this for for from for more relationships also but for, from your perspective so so, so you, you've observed, you know, school counselors sometimes raising an eyebrow when you come in, being like, "Do I really want to talk to this guy?" Um, yeah. On on the other end of it, from from within the church, you know, uh, working with with other other pastoral staff, other other parents, um, I wonder what are some of the the barriers on that end to to seeking out counseling. I would say that one of the one of the barriers I've heard is, in not so many words counseling is for broken people and I'm not broken. Mm. And it's this sense of, well, if I go to a pastor and talk, it's all right. You know, that's, that's normal. But if I go to a counselor, then it means I'm truly, you know, in dire need of help. And that unfortunately is, is an attitude that I once had. And, um, now like I'm, we're quite open with it is my wife and I had counseling around year two of marriage, that was like eight, nine years ago. And ever since then, we've been really open with people. It's like, hey, counseling is awesome. <laughs> like, you should totally do it. Like, this is something that, that is fantastic for you. And I think that has actually helped quite a number of people that um, we've personally interacted with of, hey, my pastor has done counseling. They're vouching for it. I guess I can do it too. And it's just this attitude of... Um, well, I don't, I don't want to admit to myself that I need help, so I'm just going to st- stick with the pastor and, and his schedule. Mm. So I hear that. I appreciate you bringing that up. I think that is a that is a common um, myth that is out there, um, and not just for for youth in a in a church setting, but even for adults also. That counseling is for the freaks or the extra broken people or the wow, you got serious problems people. Um, which, on the one hand, I mean, it is true that there are some fairly intense and extreme scenarios that that do come through our doors sometimes but but by and large it's not that and i and i totally uh, as you're saying that i was uh you know inwardly slapping myself for you know i mean i was talking earlier about how like oh yeah i mean you know uh come come see me as a counselor if you've got a problem and then when you're when you're well i go back to your pastor which on the one hand i i mean i stand by that a little bit but i also see where even me saying that kind of can reinforce this idea of like you know, counseling is for, for when you have problems, which is kind of sort of is, but it also can be, I don't know, problem is kind of a spectrum thing because it can be like really big problems like I'm cutting and I, you know, I have this like really, really abusive situation or it could be just like things like I'm having a hard time making friends or I'm confused about this thing or I'm not handling boredom very well or, or something. Mm-hmm. Or I need to learn how to, um, you know, organize my life and make goals. There, there really is a, a high educational component to what counseling can be. I mean, I would look at it like kind of the same way we might look at like preventative medicine too. Like, you go to the doctor for a checkup. You you go to the chiropractor when you get a little bit sore, and you do it when things are uh, only a little bit. I mean, you go you go seek medical attention when things are like just a little bit bad. 
so that they don't get really bad. I, I would definitely encourage the student or and or the parent of a student to to look at it as very much as like um, this is a this is a good responsible proactive thing to do. I think it's very mm-hmm. wise to talk about problems and to be to be vulnerable. And I think it shows a huge amount of strength actually to be able to talk about here's here's my weakness, here's my emotions, here's a way that I need help. Yeah, just wisdom. If, if I need help, I seek help. If I need help and don't seek help, that's not wisdom or bravado that's just denial i think you're right in that it's more it's more deep-seated than just counseling too like um you know i love the chiropractor it's great (laughs) um but i i specifically go so that it doesn't get super bad um but it's this underlying opinion or this this feeling that's like um well it's too late for anything else i guess my last resort is counseling versus I need to just have that checkup. I need to be taking care of myself. Um, I think that that's just, by and large, an attitude that needs to change. And one of the ways that's going to change is by pastors and and other people within the church being open about mental health and their need to um, talk to somebody. You know, we think that we can handle it ourselves and like, well, I I, re- I read this blog and it really spoke to me. <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, let's let's actually be open about it sooner before it gets really hard um part of it is and you know you and i have dealt with this personally and everything of of this attitude of well i can't go see a counselor because insurance doesn't cover it and i could go on a rant about that it's like i think it's horrible um but unfortunately that is what it is for some people they they stick with talking to a pastor because it's free um or you know by donation (laughs) right um so it's it's an unfortunate fact of life is that some people they they don't feel like they have the ability to go get help because they don't have the funds so for a pastor it's i think it's really important that pastors surround themselves with people that can give insight it's like hey i'm not trying to steal clients from you or anything but it's like these people can't go you know what where can i point them you know and it's not a um, sense of pride or trying to be the end all be all uh, fix for somebody but of just say i'm trying to help them where they're at and they you know right now i'm their only option so it's true and the money the money creates a, a big problem and i could also rant about how the insurance system works as well it's I mean, from my position, I'm I'm thankful for it in that it pays me, and it is kind of exciting. Oh, for sure. And like, you know, I get checks from Moda showing up under my door. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah. But then there's all of the hoopla surrounding it, where like mm-hmm. I have to diagnose, and for like for a kid, that just doesn't feel fair most of the time. And yeah. Um, and then yeah, if the if the insurance goes away, and sometimes it does, then we have. To there's there's a hurdle to, to, to overcome it can be overcome mm-hmm. but um but but it's you know but it's going to cost somebody some somewhere and and so I, from my perspective i mean i i do appreciate when something like a pastoral option is available because i figure well you need some sort of care you need some sort of focused attention you know here's somebody who will give you undivided attention in your real life and will be able to give it for potentially a long time i, I really do appreciate that um i can see where I mean, I mean, from my end, I mean, talking about like barriers to making referrals, I, I guess a concern, and, and I would wonder if there's a comparable concern on your end too, a concern is about the kind of care that they, that they will receive. Like this changes a little bit depending on the issue. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily so worried about like, oh, this kid's like kind of anxious. Are they going to get like good care for that or not? But if it gets into like, mm-hmm. this kid's depressed, this kid's having trauma, this kid's feeling suicidal, this kid's questioning mm-hmm. their gender and sexuality, this kid's questioning their faith, like... Honestly, at some point, at at some point, I I do get a little nervous around sending some of those issues back back to the church. Just again, I mean, not mm-hmm. to you particularly, but I, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories where, yeah, the church culture becomes very alarmed around those issues and yeah. maybe tries to approach it with with a strong agenda, uh, and they're not necessarily trained to just hold space, or they're not yeah. really trained to allow for that. Whereas that is something that I can do. I can. I can hold space for 
oh, you're asking this question. You're having this doubt. You're thinking about this thing. You're having these sensations. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. And that is, that is something I can do. And I, and I know that I can do that. So, and I maybe I guess being kind of a control freak, I, I like that. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's definitely a shared um, issue from from the pastoral end. Is almost this sense of I really need to know the person that I'm referring them to, just in case you know I accidentally send them to somebody who's going to be working against the the spiritual growth that I've been pushing for. You know, if I am, if I've been really involved in somebody's life for months, years, and we have been um, working our way through faith and, and it's their personal growth, but then I send them to somebody who is antagonistic or against faith or Christianity, then it's like, well, wait, I just threw you to the wolves there. So there is that, that internal struggle of, um, can I trust the person that I am sharing this responsibility with? Um, because it is a responsibility. And it's like, I, I believe that someday I'll have an answer for that. Um, so when I do refer somebody to, refer a student or an adult to somebody professional, um, it is with great care because I'm like, can I trust this person or what's going to happen after they're done? It's like, I'm going to have to be picking up the pieces. And uh, that's not always a, a great thing. And it's often um, redoing a lot of things. So, and, and you're right, you know, sometimes you got to break it a little bit and then build somebody up stronger. Um, but if it's there, there is that internal fear of what if I send them to somebody who's just purposefully going to break it, you know, right. <laughs> just because they don't like you know, my faith. For sure. So, um, not, not, I'm not saying that I would only send somebody to, um, a fellow believer, but, um, I would definitely want to know is like, are, are you respectful of, of this person's faith? Um, but you know, that's why I'm not just going to turn to the yellow pages right. <laughs> or, or Google and just be like, well, this person has a fun name. You should go see them. <laughs> you know, know. it's like, no, I'd, I'd really need to, to know that. And, you know, that's a, that's a personal, um, doubt or fear, uh, but that that can be a hurdle for pastors. Of you know, I'm I'm entrusted with this person's well-being, and can I trust somebody else to to care for them in the same way or to the same level that I care for yeah, them? Yeah, I think it's a really legitimate fear, and I would like to be able to say, oh yeah, counselors they're impartial, they're neutral, and we're trained to be that way, and we're trained to always hold space. And it's true that gets talked about in school. And it is kind of supposed to be where we're at. And the reality is that we're humans. We, we always oh, yeah. have our lives and our context and our histories and agendas and, and the things that we believe. And, you know, we might be really subtle about it, but I mean, I think we always mm -hmm. have like hopes for what our, our, our clients will, will do or not do. And, and that, you know, that does, that colors the conversation a little bit. So yeah. in that, I, I, I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be discerning about who, who you go see, which I mean, I would say that to anybody in any case anyway. I mean, you, when you go into counseling, it can get to the point where it's like you're being vivisected. You're being opened up to have all of your, all of your emotion parts seen and, and exposed. And you, mm -hmm. you don't want to do that with just anyone. You want to do that with someone who creates safety for you in the way that you, you need. And so it can take... Um, trying a couple people out or searching some people. And so uh, on the one hand, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to encourage me, maybe parents of kids to, to give yourself permission to be really choosy and have, have high demands of the counselor that, uh, that you have your kid go see. I do also recognize that sometimes, like I'm saying that from like the big city where I have the privilege of like hundreds of counselors to choose from, kind of. I mean, insurance factors into but I know, I mean, in a, in a more rural area, there might not be that same option. So it does become more tricky yeah. and you would have to, I guess, get really good at having conversations or, I don't know, even still, you know, you mean you're in a rural mm -hmm. area, there's like two counselors, you don't really like either of them, but you kind of need their help. I would say, give yourself permission to be really demanding of them and ask lots of questions and have a really rigorous, you know, first interview, like make your first meeting where you're interviewing them and and yeah. figuring out like, who am, who am I giving my kid to? I would say that would be okay. And you know, a good counselor will 
work to meet you where you're at and and address those mm-hmm. fears and and make space for we've got some differences um mm-hmm. but here's here's where we might overlap and here's where we can where here's where we can start hopefully that will happen <laughs> yeah the i think um and we touched on this a little bit ago but um i think it's the the is the underlying goal for that individual's health or is it for you professionally? Um, I think, you know, 15, 20 plus years ago in ministry, it was hey, the pastor is the one who can, can help you and be the, the core person. And you just need to have a good pastor and, and then you're good. Um, but in the last decade, 15 years, there's been this push to more and more small groups, which I, I really appreciate. It used to be said just like, hey, for every seven kids, you got to have one adult. Um, but then you flip that on its head. It's like, hey, how about seven adults in each kid's life, you know, beyond just parents? So it's like we got to move away from being like, hey, there's only this one pastor and this guy or, or gal is the the one that's going to solve everything. It's like, hey, let's have a counselor in the mix. Let's have school counselors. Let's have teachers. Let's have other people who can be there for that student. Because if the underlying goal is to help those individuals, then it can't just be about you. So there is that pride aspect to it, at least from a ministry standpoint of you want to be needed. You want to be that person that that, some, that, that person trusts and uh, loves. But it's like you got to get past yourself and be like, no, for for your own sake, let's let's broaden the circle just slightly, um, because there's going to be people out there that are really good for you, that have better trained than me, and it's like I will handle this area, but then this person will handle this area, and um, I think, you know, as long as you keep the student at the center, then you're going to be doing them a whole much more service than if you try to go it alone. I think so. That really client-centered approach where you, you look for uh, a client or student-centered approach, you look for what does this person really need? And it's, it's, a, good, it's a good point. It should, it, uh, the, the decisions I make shouldn't be so much for here's what makes me feel good or what's good for my professional development as much as what's, uh, what's good for the person. And, and yeah, if that means uh, sending them back mostly to the support of their family or the support of their community, assuming that it's mm-hmm. it's healthy there, and then yeah, I I, sh- I should be able to freely do that and 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 do what's good for the kid. Um, and you know if if that family system or a church system is uh, is not the most healthy, then I know it would be I think it'd be a really great thing to hopefully invite conversation or you know bring some of the family into the office and say hey let's let's address systemic patterns together and let's let's create a team let's collaborate um a a difficult dynamic that that i run into is when like a kid comes in or or sometimes like one half of a couple will come in because their partner or their family is sending them saying oh they they have the problem i don't have a problem you go fix them so that i don't have to deal with it and the reality is that it's very systemic and kind of everybody has a role to play and Mm -hmm. Being 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 handed cold turkey. Here's one element of a system. You know, fix this element. Don't touch the rest of the system. That puts me in a diff- difficult spot, and that uh, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really work so well. So yeah. Uh, so it, it is. Uh, I there there is a way. I, uh, I I look with some longing at, at your position where you you have more free access to like you can work with the whole family or you can work within a whole community and you could you maybe have more access to to the system. Than, than I do mm-hmm. sometimes, and I think that that's really crucial. And there's a lot you can do there. Yeah, it's it's both a good thing and a bad thing. It's like like we we have that access to the family, but I've definitely I mean everyone's heard the term helicopter parent. You know? <laughs> um, I've definitely had those times where you know I've had a good conversation with a student, and then you know I get an email or a phone call in days later from a parent who they're just like hey so what'd you talk about like you know i can't really tell you it's like i'm not trying to hide it but how about you come in and let's let's talk you know it's it's a you got to have a little bit of wisdom in it it's like i don't want to shut other people out uh, but um you know there's times where i definitely wish i could have um more of a hey we've had that 
you know, doctor patient confidentiality type thing. Yeah. It's just like, hey, we've had this meeting, I can't talk about it. But there is that this uh opinion or this assumption is like, well, you talk to my kid, you have to share everything. It's like I wanna share, but I also like if I share too much too soon, it's gonna stop them from sharing more in the future. You know? So I you know, there is that point where I wish I could just be like, no, this was our time together. I can't share it. Um, which I know is is selfish and it, it may come across bad to the listeners, but or it's like, like, or it's a good boundary, and sometimes people are not accustomed to good boundaries. Um, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. too. Um, but yeah. but but I love this idea too of you know like you know you have uh, you have a parent saying, "What do you talk to my kid about?" and the response getting to be, "Why don't you come and join us the next conversation, and we'll all talk together." Yes. Um, that just sounds really beautiful, yeah. and uh, I mean, I, I would love to do more of that in in counseling too. But again, there's like the whole like, you know, money, insurance, confidentiality, stigma, yes. and I don't want to take responsibility for my role in their life and uh, a whole lot of things. So yeah, yeah, it's like, no, you handle that. And I'll, I'll handle all the fun stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. like, oh, goodness. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Jared, do you have any uh, last quick thoughts for either counselors, parents, other pastoral people about uh, this idea of like, you know, when, when should I send a uh, kid to, to their counselor versus when should I send them to their pastor? Well, I can't really give advice to the counselors just because I'm, I'm not one, but for, for listeners who are uh, on the pastoral side of things, it's like, know your limits. It's like, you are, you know what you've been trained in, what you are able to speak on, whether it be from experience or, um, academic circles. Um, and don't think that you have to be the person to to have all the answers. So uh, the sooner you realize that it is all about the student and not about you, uh, the sooner I think that you'd be um, more willing or more able to reach out to uh, work alongside a, a counselor, whether it be um, somebody who is you know private practice or a school counselor. Um, really, it's it's knowing where that line is and and. Uh, some some things is like nope that topic that's off limits you know but it it can be this kind of gray fuzzy line but it's like you know when you've crossed it and it's like nope we need to, to talk to somebody so yeah um, and it, yeah my 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 advice is is know that line and, and have an idea of where it is beforehand <laughs> before you get into a situation of just like no this is this is the type of topics where i need to have somebody else to talk to yeah Oh, that sounds really important. And like being able to have like a good amount of self-awareness, that sounds like a really a crucial aspect of that too. Um, I suppose on, on, on my end, if I were going to say, here's one, uh, here's one thing to say to, to other uh, clinical people, it would be to you know, recognize that where there is a church community or where there's a faith tradition or where there's, uh, where there's faith values, that, that represents a strength. And that's, that's a huge resource. And even if it's conflicted, there's it. I mean, faith, spirituality, they, they take up a huge portion of a person's life, and to to mm-hmm. ignore that is to do a disservice to people, and to mm-hmm. and to definitely to outright discredit it is a dis is a disservice to the person because you'll probably just alienate them. Um, I mean, you know, talking through questions and doubts, and you know, inviting a, a good a good healthy you know self critique. I mean, that that that's fine, but. Um, but what I would say is, you know, being able to recognize that, yeah, this person's faith and their faith community, they, they can be this huge resource. Take advantage of that and try to try to network with with the pastors, with with the parents and get to know their community, get to know the rhythm and see see how you all can work together to to support the same student. Because, I mean, ultimately, you know, barring trauma that sometimes happens, you know, the student's probably going to leave your office and go back to youth group. And that's going to be where they spend more of their life. And so it would be a shame to miss out on that resource because it's definitely there. Jared, thanks for coming on the show with me. Um, it's been a fun, a fun hash of ideas. If a listener wanted to get a hold of you some, by some means, uh, where, can, where can they find you on the, on the internets? Um, I'm all over the place and, and I'm not heightening. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I would say um, you can reach me a youth pastor 87 um i'm on instagram and and facebook in in that realm but yeah social media youth pastor 87 would probably be the best one all right youth pastor 87 you heard it here folks 
Thanks for uh, following us along. You can also uh, reach out to the Smart Council podcast at smartcouncilpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. We like the five-star ratings. And at patreon.com slash smartcouncil, you can also donate money because we like money. Thanks for listening, and let's keep the conversation going. your feedback and invite you to share your thoughts about this conversation. Also, we'd appreciate your review and five-star rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Share your thoughts through email at smartcouncilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash smartcouncilpodcast. Please consider supporting this podcast with a financial donation through patreon.com slash smartcouncil. Our theme music is by Trent Price. Our logo design is by Thomas Moore. Thanks again for listening, and let's keep the conversation going. Music